0: okay we're back for another patreon special patreon special i like the name of that I like the sound of that yeah rudley Fletchercast patreon special if you're joining us two weeks later on the big egg joshi podcast welcome as well yeah welcome 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 to my podcast enjoy the rest of the content of course and you can sign up For this exclusive Patreon special content, 2010's Joshi at the Redley Fletcher cast for the low, low price of $1.50. There you go. If you want even more special content, there's a $5 tier where you can get, well, what can we get? Your JD Star
1: stuff, Kay? JD Star stuff should be up before the end of the month.
0: Yo, my Starcade stuff, among other things. So... Today we are doing the Neo 10th anniversary in Kawasaki. More Neo is on this podcast, and also a selection of Ice Ribbon matches, all that take place in the month of March of 2010.
1: I well, I mean, Ice Ribbon and Neo were the two talks of the town at the time, so.
0: I mean, come on. There was Oz Academy doing their thing. Sendai, I think, existed. (laughs) They They were doing nothing. Oz Mm. existed. They were also not doing
1: anything just yet.
0: Wave hasn't cracked the the code quite yet, but they're getting there. Uh, What? Yeah, so. What is the state of Ice Ribbon at this current juncture in time, Mr. K?
1: Uh, so I believe at this point, it's much of trying to figure out who's going to be like the next star. I think they'd already established Mikasa, so it's trying to, est- I mean, it seems to have tried to establish a second person.
0: Uh, that person we will find out was attempted at Miyako Matsumoto. Well, was it or was she part of the grander plan? But I see your point.
1: I think I think a lot of it was Emmy trying things because she couldn't be on top the entire time obviously and I think she had already got Tsukasa there and just wanted to find another person because you can't have a promotion around just two people. She The promotion was like what a thought. What, four, years, 4 years in at this point and still hadn't produced too many big stars.
0: So and last we left off over in Neo, N E O for those wondering. The promotion that dies by the end of this year in 2010. uh, Still drawing well for big shows. They have a champion that was set to retire on our previous show. uh, Previous two shows that we did. And uh, they are heading down a very dark path. Because Kana and Nane Takahashi are having... Well, issues between each other.
1: <laughs> Alright, so um I think when we had watched this we were confused on what was going on because there seemed to have been this talk show thing with Kana on it. And then we see a press conference with Emmy and um Nanai, and Nanai's crying and it so I did some digging. Ooh. Um I found very I like little I found very, very little, but I found enough to sort of maybe piece things together. So what had happened was at this point, Emmy was the Tokyo Sports Wrestler of the Year, right? Right. So it was a big okay. taking the rounds, right? Um Nanai was supposed to wrestle her. It wasn't going to be anything on the line, but it was going to be a big neo main event sort of match. But because the stuff with Kana had happened, the shoot stuff, right, that was filmed and they tried to work it into an angle. Right. But as a result. Emi decided to not have the match with Nanai and instead had the match with Kana instead, as an apology to Kana for Nanai's behavior.
0: Well, there that you stuff,
1: go. That stuff was what was presented in the front as story, as sort of Nanai turning on Kana, but it very much was probably the actuality of what had happened. Instead of it being ter- viewed as Nanai turning on Kana, it was Nanai acting out of turn being kind of shitty towards Kana and shooting on her in front of cameras, which was a big no-no at the time. So that was probably a bit what was going
0: on. Right. A so punch in the eye, who had to sit back and, and watch. Watch her spot get taken by the person that uh, well, she didn't act tor- pro- professional towards. So this um. this rumor and this conjecture that one Nene Takahashi has a a, a temper so to say is by all context of what we're seeing is very much true
1: right and it and so most of what we would find out about nanai would be sort of hearsay rumor stuff but this is the first like confirmation stuff that we see in front of the camera right because why it had to be made into into the big deal that it was made into had turned to a story because it very much was not supposed to happen like that for the cameras So, did I kind of fucked up there? There you go. Her punishment play out, sort of.
0: So, I actually was shot a DM by a fan that listened uh, to the Big Egg Joshi podcast. Ooh. Uh, They sent me the DM, which I thought was strange. Nonetheless, they wanted to at least have some, compare for comparison's sake, of, and I kind of wanted to do this anyways. So, it kind of worked out. What in the world of Western women's wrestling was happening during this dark time? So, I did very little research, but I did watch <laughs> uh, at least a bit of the WWE, and I definitely watched a bit of the TNA of the 2010s. It did drop Ooh. out eventually completely. Nonetheless, I do remember this particular time. Over in the WWE, kay Right. Michelle McCool and Mickey James were in the middle of a feud. God, I think I remember some of this. Mickey James was the current women's champion. And this feud was coming off the heels of the now notorious Piggy James storyline in late 2009.
1: Oh, which, I remember this.
0: Yes. This feud is still ongoing in March, 2010. Uh, Mickey James won the title back and then uh, February 23rd, 2010, Michelle McCool with a heel Vicky Guerrero referee wins the title back. Oh God. I remember this. Oh no. Yes. Mad.: bad. Still filled with four minute matches, barely wrestling uh, and the rest is history. So that's context number one. Bear in mind that <laughs> they are 20, 15 to 20 years removed from having AJW stars in their very own ring. <laughs>
1: right. Funny how that works. So, yeah.
0: Gone are the days of the Medusas slash Alondra of the world in is making fun of women's weight and being old and boobies lots of boobies lots That's of lots, lots of dem titties very important <laughs> dem uh, titties dem titties speaking of dem titties on over to tna for another perspective See now you did there. i was one uh growing up or at least in this time when i uh, was much older <laughs> i was a, a a tna fan of sorts as much as one could be i suppose and the women actually did wrestle However, it was horrible. <laughs> so at least they tried, right? Right. They put on more than four minutes. I remember hearing as such and watching ah, as Ah, but we are now in the 2009 plus era. Okay. Tara, the former Victoria, is women's champion, and she is just coming out of the uh, beautiful people storyline with Angelina Love and company. Again, not good wrestling. But in March, February and March 2010, they p- uh, pivoted to a wrestler known as Daphne. Now, okay, we Daphne. haven't, yes, we haven't gotten to this point yet. But Daphne is an ex-WCW wrestler from 1999 who was the girlfriend of one David Flair. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, I believe, if memory serves, she was a crazy girlfriend. Uh, She ended up managing uh, horrible, horrible gimmicks in WCW. I believe Russo was involved, of course, in some way or another. Of course he was. To her credit, she did spend a lot of the times on a lot of times on the indies, but she was very much usually uh, positioned with terrible gimmicks and terrible booking to go along with it.
1: So I just had a fever dream flashback of only one thing. I remember this Daphne chick for the one thing. Okay. Wasn't there like a feast or fire briefcase kind of thing with the women where like Tara won her spider back. Somebody won the belt. It's and It's funny she had to like you do mentioned that. Show, we
0: are in the heart did... of the spider storyline with Tara. And didn't Daphne have to like do
1: like a strip show that she like didn't do Correct. Like or How something? do you like, remember all this, Kay? I wish I could forget and I didn't remember because I, I don't know where I saw that. I think I had watched the show and sat down for impact at one point. So, and like Tara, yeah.
0: so Tara and Daphne have a horrible six-minute match on, uh, uh, I think it was Destination X. Um, yes, Destination X 2010 in which uh, Terrell wins, but her spider is stolen, stolen, which culminates in, I believe, a spider on a pole match. So God, there, is your, there is your context for women's wrestling in the West, and this is through a company that's trying, but when one Vince Russo is involved, you have you to really uh, expect something. Oh, and by the way... I pulled up three different uh, reputable uh, uh, reviews of said Destination X match. All three of them gave that match one star.
1: Oh, I don't remember this match. I probably
0: never saw it. I just you don't remember, remember the, the match because it was definitely. terrible, but you remember the storylines <laughs> because they're... I
1: just remember the one segment, oh. and I think it was just because I was flipping through channels and just landed on impact at some point. And I remember that segment because I remember being like, wow. They just did a like a half strip show thing with the wrestler. I'm going to go watch more cartoons now, cause that seems more entertaining than this.
0: More wholesome. So, onto good women's wrestling, or at least <laughs> what we we're hoping. Uh, at least the Neo show. And this is this is uh a, a, this comes with a lot. I'm learning, especially for the first time, uh, with this Neo promotion. The name of the event is Neo 10th Anniversary. Spectacle in Seichi Kawasaki. It is, uh, as you would guess, in Kawasaki, Kanagawa, Japan. It's from Kanagawa, Japan, okay? I believe one Kana. And uh, Shida. So yes, Kana is the hometown girl. Uh, The arena is Kawasaki City Gymnasium. Attendance is 1,100 people. And the broadcast date was March 21st, 2010 the 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 day of the event was march 14th it was um it was actually broadcasted on tv samurai very common and we got two matches in particular we wanted to go over here the first one is emi sakura versus kana which was a right. just under 10 minute match very important to the state of the promotion and two of its one big up-and-comer one former well Magazine star in m e Sakura, uh, current magazine star, and uh Nane takahashi right. the shoot turned into a
1: story yes, I think this match for what it was i don 't think this match was planned out it was I think it was very much called in the ring it's sort of the feeling I got because it didn 't seem like this was thrown together uh beforehand,
0: and I think for what they did it was very, very good yes, it was very solid. 10-minute match, and the card is very peculiar because you have a lot of people that worked more than once on the show. Right, which would be a
1: staple of Neo at the time, because they couldn't... It was cheaper to have a wrestler work twice than it was to bring somebody in. (laughs) And this is sort of... like So we, we mentioned the house that they were drawing. This was at a loss more often than not. So the tickets nowadays, like nowadays Stardom tickets for like middle of the row is like 50 bucks, right? 38 bucks, something like that, right? At this point, to get front row, I believe it was like 20 to $30, which is like nothing. You're not making money off of that.
0: Right. So, so a then, perspective of yes, they technically drew more people, but if you're not making money, then what good does it do?
1: And I think the idea was you would lose money on the house, but you could pay the wrestlers slightly less and it would make up for that in merch. The problem is, is most people didn't buy merch because. Most of the fans that came there weren't coming there because they liked the wrestlers more often than not. It was more <laughs> the reason why the Gravier CDs and DVDs and magazines were selling and not t shirts and merchandise like that.
0: Yeah, so you can kind of tell as we continue on, you know, Neo, you watch these shows and they feel big time. And just because something has the visual. Appeal in context of the time as being big time. It doesn't mean it's actually being successful or doing any long-term good. And as we continue on this journey, and Neo, of course, plummets. (laughs) They do. And it becomes very noticeable midway through. Uh, we, We can see why the industry kind of turned the way it did. And some wrestlers move on to other avenues. Uh, I agree. I thought this match was well-worked. It didn't seem like it was planned. And what I do like about this compared to, say, the women's uh, Western wrestling that we see is the actual sense of a worked style, a pyro style, as opposed to a more choreography. And you do see... uh, uh, I, I can compare this to, say, a... Shuri, Konami kind of strike choreography uh, fest where they have, you know, three, four, five quick strikes that are blocked and they go back and forth or the atypical Ozmi Starlight Kid, you know, drop down, pin, flippy stuff, back and forth, run the ropes, go down. They keep doing that. You don't get that here in this time. Everything is still very much in the old school. Uh, A lot of the wrestlers uh, were Trained by the old school, so they still work the same. And uh, as we get through a lot of retirements and kind of the uh, the the mid card, if you will, leaving the industry, they you get new trainers and new styles as a uh, uh, out of it all. Which that's going to be the most interesting to me as we as we move forward because we'll we're going to go from these two matches we're discussing here from Neo to. What we see in the Ice Ribbon matches.
1: <laughs> right. Well, I think so. A very interesting thing to point out. And you mentioned that a lot of them were trained by the old school. I think the reason why the scene takes a change. or I think a big reason why the wrestling style especially takes a bit of a change. And uh, why we see it the way it is now. Is because of promotions like, as we'll get to much later, stardom. And Ice Ribbon being more insular trained as opposed to the wider train. Whereas, like, Neo didn't have a dedicated trainer, they would just bring people to train. Right. And that would be the same thing for other companies. Because um, Kyoko anyway, wasn't training people. I mean, she was credited for some of it at this point, but like, there's a reason why they don't have rookies in Neo. If you notice, there's no rookies there. And the right. rookies that they do end up having leave quickly. They couldn't that was part of why they died, they couldn't keep fresh talent coming through. And so they would rely on the older talent, which eventually gets more pricey as those people become bigger names. Then Takahashi becomes pricey over time, so you right. stop booking her.
0: So Emi Sakura does beat Kana in the end. Uh, I I think the correct decision of the time at this current uh, current juncture. I am I did notice in this match Emi Sakura ha- is very much bandaged up all over her back. And, you know, they make a joke, uh, even to this day, and got to move her promotion, that she has a bad back. Uh, you can definitely see why. I mean, we see her doing 450s onto tables, dives. Uh, she's taking brutal, brutal bumps on a very clear, very hard ring to me.
1: Also, she used to do death matches, So, you know, your back tends <laughs> to take a bit of a beating when you do a lot of dumb deathmatch
0: stuff. Why well, you got to phrase it like that, Kay? Who says they're dumb? I say that. Well, I mean, tough. Sure, but I'm pretty sure
1: Emmy wouldn't <laughs> say that now. Uh, <laughs> or Emmy, and her back has to take time off, usually, when she works too much.
0: Yeah, uh, and then for those wondering, Kana, at this point in time, uh, just like how we last saw her, she still has the uh, kick fo- kick-focused gimmick with the high ponytail. Looks very much like a well, a pretty young, up-and-coming Japanese wrestler uh, with a very standard appeal to her.
1: All right, for all of you that want a more visual comparison to a modern wrestler, she looks like Sheeta. Oh, that is a good one. She, that was very much the style at the time. If you were a shoot kicker, that was sort of the style that you kind of went with. We would see that evolve quickly over time, going through 2010 especially. Um, but that was sort of her shtick for a while there, when she came back from her hiatus. So, and we also, uh, I don't know if we've gotten there, but we also get to see the beginnings of, uh, of Triple Tail. That does happen.
0: Yes. Yeah, because also on the show, there was another cut yoshirai Miyoshirai Shirai match. Uh, Kana uh, does form a team with them of sorts since she is no longer part of the passion red faction or group right. if you will and even during this match at one point the camera cuts to one nonae takahashi kind of crying in in the in the walkway in a corner <laughs> looking at the match <laughs> yeah punish deny you will look at this match and think about what you've done <laughs> Oh,
1: I bet you she was told to go out there and look at it. It seems oh, yeah. like a very Japanese discipline thing. Like you look at the spot that she was taken from you and don't do this again. <laughs> the weird part is, is I imagine it wasn't punishment for her actions, it was punishment because she was caught. Right. Not
0: because of what she did, which is worse. Right. So, onto the main event. We have Yoshiko Tamara, the champion of Neo, slash NWA Women's Pacific title. Uh, two titles that would be in conjunction with each other uh, during time with Neo. She's taking on one Mako Satomura. Perhaps you have heard of her.
1: Perhaps you may have heard of her. She's, uh, I hear she's a trainer in WWE.
0: <laughs> that's uh, That's one way to put it. She also forces kids to work on farms instead of wrestle. She uh, yes. has her own promotion. I believe it's called Sendai. <laughs> I believe it is called Sendai in Sendai. Who knew? who knew so yes miko satamura the the ex the ex uh, uh, gaia star loosely quoted uh, yeah, lo- loosely very loosely chikusa's prized pupil i guess nonetheless her look hasn't changed since 2010 at all she is still very is much not. the same wrestler the same style same finishing move same everything and this is this is 11 years later at this point in time So, Yoshiko Tamura, when we saw the last Neo show on the December 31st show, that was supposed to be her retirement match. And shocker, a Joshi wrestler, a wrestler, didn't actually retire in 2009. Um, Shocking. I was not able to find the story on why she didn't retire, but I think we can use context clues like, hey, we still need you, you're a big star, Uh, and... Judging from the way the crowd reacts, how she comes out, her, her baddest bitch in the room attire. I could make an argument. With the presentation and everything here, Yoshiko Tamura was one of the bigger stars of 2010. Definitely in Neo.
1: Um, if, if we notice that the show we watched, Kyoko Inoue, you know, the founder of Neo, I don't believe was even anywhere on the card remember us seeing her anywhere if she was she was very much lower down and i think a lot of that had to do with kyoko so she did take time off for her uh sort of pregnancy miscarriage thing that was going on right um when she came back she was usually just ringside um a lot of her matches were just her on the apron back in maybe do a few moves she was definitely not in the mindset to wrestle it was kind of clear
0: well, we did see the Emi Sakura Kyoko in a way singles match for Kyoko's comeback. She was in the right. semi-main event of this match, teaming with Emi Sakura now. So there's some continuity there. Facing off Fuka and Shinobu Kandori, a very old Shinobu Kandori at this uh, point in time, a very broken down one. Uh, so uh, yes, it, 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 I did watch this match. K, it was very much fine, I guess. Uh, for two immobile wrestlers. It mostly was just Emmy and Fuka uh going at it in a very short time span. And I do want to mention that the third from the top was Nane Takahashi versus a young Hiroyo Matsumoto, in which she lost in <clears throat> let me get the uh the time here. Two minutes fifty eight seconds.
1: <laughs> right. So it's it's more like na you're not it's gonna have this big match uh that was your promised, so you're just gonna squash Hiroyo.
0: And that's exactly what happened. Uh Tsukasa Fujimoto right. was also on the card, so was Tany Mouse, whom we will hear more from. And so was uh Yuki Miyazaki.
1: Alright. Well I think uh, so I I didn't see the card beforehand, so I didn't even know Kyoko no, it was on the card. Um but it makes sense that she wasn't tagging in all that much. and uh, you know. Not there right mentally, but she has to be there to sell tickets because she's kind of one of the only generation generators of money there.
0: Right. Well, anyways, back to the main event. Big time entrances for both uh, wrestlers. Mako Satomura. They do. uh, I was listening very closely to what the ring announcer uh, had to say, like uh, from Sendai something. They didn't say anything to the sword. It was just simply Mako Satomura. Yoshiko Tamura comes out looking like, like I said earlier, baddest bitch in the room. She's got the the fur all over her, like, leather jacket. She's got big boots on. The shades. The shades. She looks like someone straight out of biker chick 90s type stuff, except with a Joshi flair to her. She looks awesome. She looks like a star. Miko Satomura looks like... Someone who would be Chigusa's protege, to be honest. Very, very old he definitely school. Does. Very old school singlet. It's still the same outfit she wears today. She puts all of her rookies in singlet, still in that very old school style. You could say that I actually I will say this. She hasn't changed the industry at all from how she was brought up and trained. And no, I she think hasn't. that is a detriment to. Her and her promotions failure to evolve and change with the industry.
1: Right. It's funny. Might sound controversial,
0: um, but that's my take on the matter.
1: Oh, I think that's hundred percent correct. I mean, who says anything that Sendai has done? Sendai's done nothing. Granted, they didn't mention it on commentary, Sendai exists, but I mean, Sendai doesn't matter at this point. It almost no. like it almost like now she's not hailed from Sendai, she's just Mako Sadamura. It's a pretty damn correct. Damning- pretty damning thing about her promotion that it's not even, it's secondary to her at all times, which means she didn't do a good job of building it. Um, I will go one step further, and as much as I love Chigusa Nagayo, as much as I think she's done a lot for her, for the industry during her time, as a promoter she's done zero to change anything. Gaia was great, but Gaia didn't do anything other than maybe hasten AJW's death to an extent. Um, that's it. She's I mean, even in Marvelous now. What's Marvelous doing? They're not making waves, not changing anything. They have good matches in their vacuum. Sure, they have good matches in their vacuum, but they're the same six matches you'll see over and over again. right. I, I had a hard time watching them for a while there.
0: Yeah, you see the same thing over and over again. And every once in a while, a wrestler or two will have a match of sort outside the promotion. And, uh, you know, it's like the annual Takumi match in stardom, it always happens.
1: <laughs> right, that's why. That's why I think it's important it to never bring up the Emmy Sakuras, the Emmy Sakuras, the you know Fuka's, and and even to a small extent Nanai, because she did have a hand in early stardom uh, of the world, sort of changing how industry was going to look. More so, I guess Fuka and Emmy in this regard. But that's important, and that would go on to also show in Sukasa later as well. If those people didn't, even Kana, I think I've said Kana is pretty important because if she didn't protect. Mio and Io especially Io and her immense talent should have been buried by the scene because oh no you're too talented we can't have you usurping us was definitely a mindset back then it's Like It's without those pillars the industry would be dead I would argue because it mm. wouldn't change the old guard wasn't going to change anything and as we saw that was the whole reason why the industry was dying in the first place nothing was changing.
0: So Yoshiko Tamura debuted in 1994, part of the All Japan Women Dojo of the time when they did have another uh, boom period of influx of talent. However, in 2010, she's 16 years into her career. She's very much broken down. She can't move like she used to, but that doesn't stop Yoshiko Tamura from throwing throwing some bombs and doing a stupid. Stupid move in the middle of this match. Well, I guess kind of near the end, but uh, I will cut to the chase. She, does, she sets Mako Satomura up on a table, and not totally unlike the Emi Sakura bump to Kyoko, where she 450'd and face-first on the table and necked herself, Yoshiko Tamura wanted to one-up her. She does a flipping senton back to Mako, Flat and this table goes into business for itself. I am the table, a hundred percent. Yoshiko is bent in half. The table doesn't break and she goes down. I don't know how she didn't break her back, <laughs> but you know she was hurt the next day badly.
1: Oh, well, her and Mako. Mako definitely had the wind knocked out of her on that one. You could tell because Mako
0: was kind of a little slow to rise as well. Oh, it um, was a thud of a bump. It looked crazy. We watched that sucker three, four times. It was, it, it, I, I don't know if that one ups the Emmy soccer bump, but it definitely uh, at least equals it.
1: Right. And uh, it's also a point of mentioning two back-to-back Neo shows and two back-to-back really dumb uh, table bumps that were kind of maybe a little unnecessary. Almost like they kind of needed to get some excitement out of the crowd um, to an extent. Make the match seem like it was more exciting by doing stuff like that. Uh, Matt, yeah, I, I think uh, Yoshiko Tomura, for what limit she had, because she was definitely broken, could kind of not do a whole lot of what she was probably able to do when she was younger. Um, I think for what she was able to do, the match was fine. I think it was more Mako working and doing sort of the, the high-end stuff, because Mako could still do that at the time. I mean, she sure. could still do that kind of now, but um, that was sort of what put the match and made it better, I think, if she'd been in there with anyone outside of Mako by the... F- uh, kind of hindered the match a lot and how limited she was. Um, Also, Ace Crusher. You know, the thing that she passes to Tsukasa Fujimoto. Also in this match.
0: lot of spinning back fists. lot of spinning double back fists that we see from one miyomi Ozaki. So you might see some parallels there uh, in style and age. Uh, however, this match was... It was sl- on the slow side. I gave it... Two out of the three recommended stars. Not the full three. I thought it was, uh, like I said, a little bit slow. Uh, crazy bumps. Well worked for what it could be. Went 21 minutes, five seconds. Tamora does get the pin over Mako, so Mako does the job here. Uh, and we have we continue on with more Neo, I suppose. It's right, something you don't see Mako do very often these days. A job. Oh, <laughs> ah. so on to Ice Ribbon. You can find all three of. The, oh, by the way, you can see the Yoshiko Tamora, Mako Satamura match on the Redleaf Retrocast Daily Motion channel. So that is uploaded to the channel there. But on to Ice Ribbon, in which you can find uh, these two matches on their uh, uh, Nico Pro channel. Uh, Five dollars a month. Those that wondering, it is Dojo Ice Ribbon one hundred sixty eight and Dojo Ice Ribbon 170 March 21st, March 27th, 2010. We have two ice, and ice Cross 60 title matches here. The first one is Tsukasa Fujimoto, our Ice Ribbon champion at this point in time. After beating Emi Sakura for the title in six seconds back in January at New Year Ribbon, she's taking on the challenger of one, Miyako Matsumoto. Yes, that Miyako Matsumoto very one where do we begin
1: Match was uh, no good
0: <laughs> well full disclosure if you don't know Miyako Matsumoto is a comedy wrestler who's also borderline insane <laughs> and borderline. yet she is super over with the crowd she's quite popular uh, with her shtick So we have comedy versus wrestler, not unlike if you want to compare it to modern day Ice Ribbon, Tsukasa versus one Yuki Masuro is the is the uh, comparison I'm seeing.
1: Right. It's almost like I think Tsukasa sees that and a little bit of Risa Sarah in her. That's why she is so willing (laughs) to put her over like she did to one Miyako Matsumoto.
0: I can't even say that with a straight face. So this match is absolute horse trash because Miyako on multiple occasions like brains herself on the on the Hurricane Rana roll. Like she spikes herself on the head. She's screaming. She doesn't want to do anything. She's out of position. It is a rough time.
1: Sukasa, poor Sukasa. At this point, is like three years in or two two or three years in. And so she's good, but Jesus Christ, she can't she's not a miracle worker just yet. She can't carry this crazy, botchy, crazy, can't wrestle person?
0: No. Nonetheless, uh, the match isn't long, by the way. It's like six minutes. Uh, Miyako rolls her up, even does a pose mid-roll-up. It is the uh, the Gato clutch with a pose. Pins her, shocks her. Miyako talks all the shit in the world. Uh, basically comes across like a heel from body language and and just uh, context of of a uh, voice projection and out comes Riho to challenge her 13 year old grade schooler. The one that we saw beat Miyako on our previous episode. Miyako dodges her. <laughs> she wants nothing to do with her. I w- she goes, I would rather face a former champion, not some grade schooler. Uh, this, w- this was uh, uh, this was basically confirmed in in uh, storylines off of Reddit I took of the time. So the point is Miyako's a heel; she would rather face a former champion than take on Riho, whom beat her previously. So at the very least, it's a fun, funny story. And we digress to move on to March 27th, where Miyako Matsumoto is now defending the title against former champion Makoto. This was also, shocking, a bad match. This was, I think, a little better because Makoto is much more basic-oriented and wasn't ambitious in trying to do anything Miyako couldn't do, but still Miyako's... I don't know what it is about Miyako Matsumoto, but she has the worst positioning on everything, (laughs) at least at this point in time.
1: Right, and we would watch her 2018 title win and it doesn't get much better. I mean, it's kind of better. But it's
0: not. I think her positioning gets better. Like, she knows her shtick. She knows what she wants to do. She knows what gets over. What she, like, she knows her character, like, eight years later. Right,
1: right, right. But she still is out of place for a few things. Poor Kurumi had to, like, move herself at times. Miyako Matsumoto is very much a character, not a wrestler.
0: Yeah, she does the the ballet, the screaming. Um,. Rolls up Makoto as well, again, not a good match, but historically, we have three top of the card, these are your three top card workers in Ice Ribbon, Miyako, Tsukasa, and Makoto, of course, Emi Soccer is there, but we can't forget about the challenger who comes out, Riho, <laughs> 13 years old. Miyako talks, the title. Miyako talks shit, shit again. She even makes the comment, who have you ever beat? And Riho goes, you? <laughs> Miyako Matsumoto? The crowd corpses, even Tsukasa in the corner corpses and laughs. Everybody's having a good time. It is the full be happy with, with pro wrestling moniker that they, uh, they come to n- be known by. So we are on a crash course for Miyako versus Riho. Miyako cannot dodge her. The match is made.
1: Right, it's it's again, it's very funny looking at this point in time because it was very much experimentation to find the star. I think like Sukasa was definitely the settled star, like that was the one I think Emmy was assured was a star. Her and Riho. right. Um, So I think Makoto was someone that we'll probably see later on. See, kind of fail into the background as I think she probably saw that Makoto wasn't going to be where she wanted her to be. We will see that later, but. It's very much a, well, Miyako is popular. Let's see if we can get something to work here. They're still kind of four years in figuring their stuff out. Joshi promotions tend to take four to five years to even start getting themselves figured out, as we're seeing. Are you telling me it days. takes
0: promotions more than a year to find their feet with what they want to do with it?
1: I'm saying that Joshi hmm. promotions or any wrestling promotion it takes time. I mean, look at Seedling, like five years in, and they're
0: just now starting to figure themselves out. Ah, What an interesting fact you bring here. so that is the state of ice ribbon Miyako Matsumoto takes takes the title off of uh, uh, the prized pupil I guess you could say or the prized ace or ace in set she beats a former champion all in a ploy at least what we're seeing to get Riho over the deadly 13 year old (laughs) will it work? I guess we'll find out and our last match March 28th, 2010, Fuka versus Nane Takahashi at Fuka's Retirement Match and and Hall. The show was called Fuka Matsuri 13. That is from March 28th. You can also find this match on Redleaf Retrocast's Daily Motion page. And this is one that easily would make the spreadsheet, K. Okay? It's an easy three-star recommendation. Fuka, this is really my... I went back and watched a few of her late 2000s matches. I didn't go too far back. I watched the one from the Neo show uh, where she was in the tag match. I watched this one. I watched a couple more. Fuka was a hell of a wrestler.
1: Right. So she was one of the few people to come out of JD Star that actually was able to make a name for themselves on the scene because they were good. It was her, oh, uh, Ohata, and Yumioka. Were the three that kind of I've heard of these three wrestlers, yes. Ah, One of them's still wrestling. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it was very much those three that were kind of the big JD star. Like these are the ones that came out after it collapsed and died, obviously. They became much bigger stars outside of it. But um, Nanai, this is Fuka's retirement match, um, and she's wrestling Nanai. Nanai was very high on Fuka. I and Fuka were kind of close, I think, is sort of the words that I've seen be tossed around. So uh, it's no shocker that when Rossi and Nanai were cooking up the stardom promotion, Fuka came in as trainer and Nanai was the one to retire her,
0: to get her to be the trainer. So based on uh, what your podcast has said over uh, JD Star, go listen to that episode. This was a very hmm, martial arts-oriented training promotion, but it was also focused on getting, at least my interpretation is, not the typical wrestler look. They wanted more of an, well, I'll be blunt, an idol look to it all.
1: Yes, um, as for the martial arts training, it depends on who was back there training at the time. Fuka got lucky, her and Ohada and Oka got the good trainers. Um, But very much, JD Star's premise was in the 2000s, I gotta specify, because the 90s, when Jaguar Yakoda was running it, uh, it was very much your typical 90s Joji promotion. Mm -hmm. Um, As for the 2000s, after she sold it off, it became well, we need to make money, and the scene's starting to go down. So, well, these actresses are pretty popular, and most of them can go by looks. And some of them are, most of them are gravure actresses. So, we'll train them to be wrestlers, and they called it the actress. Ath- oh, it was, they had a, it was athletes. So it was a very terrible word, but the actress athletes program was what it was dubbed. Athletes. Yes, it's a terrible word. It does not roll the tongue very well.
0: Well, it's like um, seed ring, but they'll spell it ling. Because right. of the way it's pronounced, or the uh, the newly formed Great Promotion, which is spelled Gleet.
1: That's a terrible name. Um,
0: I, I, hey, I didn't say, say they were good. Point. It's just what they do.
1: So, 80 <laughs> Star, because we probably won't get a chance to talk about them at this point, but their effects are kind of going to be felt later on in the scene. Um, because they were ahead of their time a little bit Um, but at the time training these actresses and most of them gravier actresses fuka being a gravier actress as well um was sort of seen as uh ill icky we don't want to wrestle with these people because they're lesser than us mm-hmm. what either wouldn't do jobs or just wouldn't even go there to wrestle and that was what led them to fold eventually was they just weren't making money and nobody would come there Um, But Fuka would go on to... I I don't know if I have the timelines right, but I don't know if at this point she was training Yuzupon or Yuzuki Aikawa, who was going to be the big star that stardom was going to build around. Um, I don't know if she was training her at this point or if it happened after she retired. But it's funny that Fuka, a gravure actress-turned-wrestler, also MMA fighter, would uh, train a gravure actress-slash-MMA fighter as well. Funny how that works.
0: It's funny how that works. So this match went over twenty minutes. Uh, of course, lots of streamers involved, and this. It let me let me look at these other matches we've covered here. Let's see. Uh, I think this is my second favorite match we've covered. I still like that Ayumi Kurihara Tamura versus Passion Red tag match that we covered in our free episode the most. But for a singles match, this is my favorite so far. Fuka is all kicks, all business. She looks good. I wish her. I wish her gear was a little better. That's just uh, my my uh, my fashion opinion <laughs> on that. Money, money was tight. Money was a bit tight. Couldn't get the uh, couldn't get the the stardom type gear of 2021. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Nonetheless, Fuka has real good contact on the kicks. They sound great. Nene is a big girl. She knows how to take them, and she knows how to dish it right back with lariatos, all the like. This was a well-worked, strong-style match. This is not your typical go-go-go Joshi style. This was a pure strong-style match that would hold up in 2020, 2021, whatever year. This was good. This is... I think you could... You know, I was... If I was to compare this... I would compare it to the stardom style minus, you know, the Mayu Iwatani Dragon Gate stuff. But Fuka reminds me of one Arisa Hoshiki, uh, whom retired Are in 2020, unfortunately. <laughs> and Nene, I mean, I could easily go with she's also uh, Nene, but I will go with Yoshiko. So wow. if it's Arisa versus Yoshiko, I would compare these two to that. So it's funny
1: that you mentioned Arisa Hoshiki. I believe she was the one that got way more influence from one Fuka than most of the other ones because she ended up taking pretty much Fuka's entire moveset set, her own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that was by choice. I think early on, Fuka's like, hey, you could do these kicks really well. Hey, kickboxing background. Hey, I have a kickboxing background. Take my offense. How about wrestling that. anymore?
0: I guess also, when we start to cover stardom in 2011, we'll have to look for these things.
1: Right, right. It's also funny, Fuka. Um, <laughs> you can see some of her influence in modern stardom still. Yes, uh, absolutely. Momo, Azumi, look at their kicks. Look at Fuka's kicks. You see the correlation there? To an extent, but Mayu seems to have kind of moved away from that style a lot more. Her early stuff was very much different. As she likes the, the Lucha yes. Lucha.
0: Io Shirai is very kick-heavy, at least with uh, a presentation to it. Right, it's almost like
1: her and Konami were also trained by Kana, who hmm. likes kicks and submissions. There you go.
0: So yes, it all makes sense. I absolutely adored this match. This was really good. I can't stress uh, going out of your way enough. It's an easy three-star Essential Watch match. Uh, highly recommended. And if, uh, you know, I'll just repeat myself. We go on to the three-star rating. Uh, no star is just not worth, not worth. Uh, uh it's not a good match, right? Uh, uh, one star is worth a watch. Two star is recommended. Three star highly recommended. That is our scale on the Redley RetroCast. That's what we're we're doing for this, and we're gonna bring it to the regular little uh, uh biweekly show that we do.
1: Right, right. I still do my own five stars because I want to be different.
0: Well, I mean, you um, just you just want to be Meltzer. I mean, you can just admit it. It's fine. I mean,
1: I listen, listen. I aim high. I aim high for my dreams. Um, I also think this was a very important match historically, um, going forward. So, I think that would also, I think, would also give me three stars as well.
0: The near falls in this match were done quite well. Uh, whether it was the roll-ups, uh, Nene hitting the lariatos at the end. It really reminded me of some old-school New Japan that we watch on the regular podcast. Uh, the good stuff, not the boring stuff. <laughs> right, I differentiate the two. There is a, differ- there is a difference. And I, I think the dynamic between the striker Fuka, which when you look at her, you think, what, what are you, crazy? <laughs> uh, and, and the bigger Nene worked quite well. Uh, you can tell that Nene had a respect for her. She wanted to give her a good, a good going out party, and this is this is way better than those retirement matches that we see on the AJW classics that we cover on the Redley Fletcher cast.
1: <laughs> yeah, those almost seem like they don't really try to put their all in it because they know it's their last match. Um, this was different, and I, I it's funny to say Fuka. Look at her; it looks scrawny, but. She'll kick everyone's ass. She did MMA. I don't remember her record, but I know she did a pretty good, she had a pretty good record. <laughs> MMA. So, you know, you look at her, it looks scrawny, but she'll probably break your
0: head. So I can't, you know, it's, it's a shame. It seemed like she retired very early, but she, you know, she had a, a different, she had a different path to take, which we'll talk about when we get to stardom eventually in time. Uh, her influence over much of the roster there and how she influenced A different style uh, going forward into the 2010s. So, Fuka is definitely a name to remember uh, the more we talk about her.
1: Right. Well, these 2010s covering, it's it's very interesting because we're in a very interesting crossroad year. The scene transitioning from what it was to what it would become. So, we're like coming right out of the dark period. We're still in it, but we're just starting to get towards the light more, which is. I think a very interesting thing of looking at it because we see Fuka and she becomes important and I becomes more important. Uh, we see Emmy and Ice Ribbon become much more important later. Kana and her taking in of Io and Mio Shirai becomes much more important. So it's very interesting we see all of this sort of start coming together at the beginning at least.
0: So for our next show we'll be doing Riho versus Miyako Matsumoto. Battle of the Ages and Ice Ribbon. Mio Shirai versus Io Shirai uh, which took place at the end of April and then I think we should watch the entire Ice Ribbon 180 show since we have that entire show main evented by Emi Sakuro taking on whomever is champion at the time mm, little, ah, little cliffhanger there mystery. yes and I just want to give a little a little uh, uh, preview over some of the other things we'll be covering on this, on this uh, special uh, Patreon special We'll be doing, it seems like we'll be doing the Catch the Wave tournament every year. (laughs) It's a very important thing. uh, I guess for
1: context for the Catch the Wave, um, it was Wave's annual tournament and it involved a lot of freelancers and it was kind of what got Wave to be popular. It kind of was their big claim to fame, got Mm -hmm. them the most runny. Uh, They would see a lot of matchups that you wouldn't get to see otherwise. You know, you kind of see Yoshiko and Tsukasa matches, stuff like that, that you just wouldn't get to see outside of this tournament here, like singles matches wise. Like you might see them in tag, but you wouldn't see singles matches. and That's what made this tournament so popular.
0: Also seems that we'll be covering the big Oz Academy show that takes place every August, uh, the Plum Hansaku shows. Or right, they're, they're big shows that are usually done from the
1: big Yokohama arena in honor of Plum right um, jwp also and i think maybe in the pure jr incarnation also i don't know if they still do but they also did shows for plum a uh, plum was a pure a jwp wrestler that died in the ring uh, i think her and ozaki were very very close which is why ozaki has dedicated a show each year her i believe she died in august so i think that's why the show is also in august
0: yeah so we'll we'll be talking more about that kind of uh, history there and then uh, you can pretty much bet we'll at least cover the main event of Ribbon Mania every year from Ice Ribbon, and then the the further Stardom gets along is where it gets real interesting of how much we start covering and how much more we start covering from Stardom. Right, look for- and look forward to those.
1: Right, it's 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 interesting how the scenes coming together. Like I like watching it in real time as we watch it week to week and so like that
0: very interesting uh, show. maybe maybe when we end the year we'll come up with kind of our top five matches of the year or something or who who whom we uh like a wrestler of the year maybe we'll do that that's always fun to do
1: right it's be very
0: interesting especially because we know where some of these people end up being right so uh why even bother ozaki wrestler of the year every year and whatever match he's in is match of the year i agree k <laughs> I strongly disagree how oh, nonsense. You. Nonsense. Okay, so this was uh yet another Patreon special. I hope everyone enjoyed. If you again, um if you're listening on the bit via the Big Egg Joshi podcast, if you want these episodes two weeks in advance, head on over to the Red Leaf Retrocast Patreon page, join the dollar fifty tier. If you want even more amazing joshi wrestling anime video game content we got even more content available at the five dollar tier uh this is really for archive purposes at the end of the day so any dollar you spend uh, will most likely be spent buying more shows to further support this show
1: right and just before we wrap up i wanted to mention one thing um i got a question about this this is this, um, this being on my feet is not going to replace the regular scheduled uh, Big Egg episodes. I just kind of wanted to put that out there. I did get that asked, so I wanted to go ahead and put that out there. There you go.
0: Yes, still regular episodes, but this will give UK more content. <laughs> right, right. More content, because especially because my stuff takes like a lot of research. There you go. All right, well, we will see you in the next episode. See ya.